scripture reading and sermon from our weekly worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The first reading for, day, for today is in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 16 and 19 through 21. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. So he set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were twelve yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Next, we will read Psalm 16 responsively. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another god multiply their sorrows. They drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol, or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The next reading comes from the New Testament. Is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and 13 through 25. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom. Brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he returned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Well, in case you happen to ask me sometime soon how my summer is going, and in case I then stare off into space for a minute trying to come up with a succinct answer that's honest but not frantic, let me just share with you why that would be. My family is moving to a different house in Northwest Minot very soon, and I'm very excited. I am excited that we will have a two-car garage, which is a major upgrade from our tiny little tuck under cove. I'm excited that there's a dishwasher in the kitchen so that I don't always have to be the dishwasher in the kitchen. And there's just generally a little more space. All of that is very good. What is not exciting or joyful or good about moving is trying to sort and organize and pack all of my and our earthly possessions into manageable-sized boxes that can be stacked up and stored and transported and hauled unpacked two miles away from where they started. At least a couple of times in the past two weeks, Travis and I have looked at each other and said, why do we have so much stuff? Obviously, it's kind of our cultural norm to have too much stuff. How many storage unit facilities do we have in this town? But we thought we'd been doing really well, passing along all of those outgrown toys and books and gear and clothing as our kids moved beyond toddlerhood. Uh, we have been donating our old clothes and shredding paper as we go, but when you have to put every item you own into a box, you realize just how much stuff has been hanging out in the back corners of your closets and your cabinets and in your garage, tiny though it may be. And we didn't always have this much stuff. Early in our marriage, when we moved about every year or so, it just was not this hard. Because if you move often, you're nimble. You don't have a lot of stuff. Or you don't have a lot of stuff you're emotionally attached to. You just leave it behind. Because it's hard to move when you're carrying too much stuff. This is an apt metaphor, I thought, for the message in our scripture readings for today. When someone, like Jesus, asks you to follow, either on a journey toward Jerusalem or on the path of discipleship, you can't bring with you all the things that you've picked up from your worldly life and bring it with you. It's, it's too much. It's too hard, if not impossible. You have to set them down. You have to leave them behind. And so it is in Luke chapter 9. I think we can pretty safely assume that Jesus was traveling lightly on this road to Jerusalem. No caravan of camels or donkeys hauling wardrobe changes and toiletries and colorfully enameled cookware and means of entertainment or even good snacks. It's just a guy walking down a road, totally dependent on the hospitality of people along the way, strangers and villages who would help him accomplish his mission. But more importantly, not only was Jesus not carrying a bunch of material possessions and creature comforts, he had no other goals, no other priorities, no attachments. He allowed no distractions. He had set his face, it says in verses 51 and 53. Jesus was on his way. He was going to Jerusalem, going to the cross, and nothing would get in his way. Jesus was on a mission. He was on a mission to obey God, to teach and share and be the good news and to save the world. 
Jesus was on a mission, and now, 2,000 years later, the body of Christ on earth is the church, and the church is still on a mission. So to be on a mission, we too must set our faces and be ready to move, keeping Jesus always at the center of our focus. But here's where it gets complicated and where I keep getting stuck over and over again. Jesus had no earthly attachments, but we, to a person, do. And so I often wonder, how single-minded must we be as followers of Jesus? How much of our life in this world must we set down and let go of for the sake of sharing the gospel? How narrow must our focus be? In the verses that we read today, Jesus makes pretty clear that his expectation is all in. He spares no sentimentality in instructing people to leave even their families and their family obligations behind, which is pretty shocking. Let the dead bury their own dead, he tells the man who'd lost his father. So what are we to do? When it comes to our God-given vocations and our God-given relationships and our God-given place in the world, how do we determine when these things are part of God's intention for our time on earth And how do we discern when these things might be beginning to get in the way? When they're becoming a hindrance to following Jesus or when we're more attached to these gifts than we are to the one who gave them in the first place. In scripture, we seem to get extremes. Uh, I think probably because most of Jesus' followers didn't, didn't face this same challenge that we do today. Most of them Uh, For example, our New Testament um, letter authors, they composed those letters assuming that Jesus would be coming back like tomorrow or maybe next week. So their approach to discipleship might be the equivalent of decluttering the house by gutting it to the studs. Of course they're going all in. The end is here. They wouldn't have dreamed that someday, 2,000 years on, we'd be here still waiting for Jesus to come back while also trying to live a meaningful and full life in a complicated world with competing interests and compelling voices and a real struggle to be in the world but not of the world. And it's not just the New Testament. Our gospel reading for today is paired with that passage from 1 Kings that I thought was a little startling in its intensity. Talk about being all in on God's mission. When Elijah showed up and passed his mantle to Elisha, Elisha stopped plowing his fields, he slaughtered his oxen, he broke up his plowing equipment and burned it up in a cooking fire to prepare the oxen meat, which he gave away as he headed out of town. Elisha walked away from everything in his life and into the future that God called him to. And even if Elisha was tempted to go back, there was nothing to return to. There would be no going back. I think these are important examples for us as followers of Jesus in 2022. Not because I think we need to hack our office desks to pieces and sign our retirement accounts away to charity and just hit the road to somewhere. They're important examples because when Christians in our society today are faced with the question of what in our lives might be getting in the way of following Jesus, or what's distracting us from our one true purpose, what do we need to let go of, we're much more likely to respond from the opposite end of the spectrum. 
Without giving it much thought, we continually fill our homes and our calendars and our minds and our hearts with all kinds of things and ideas and motivations that we then refuse to recognize as hindrances on the path of discipleship, even when they are. When we, as disciples of Jesus, are asked to go, to follow, to move, we just might discover that we've accumulated too much to respond faithfully to the call. Jesus says, follow me, and we say, okay, but. Okay, but just let me finish up this sports season, Jesus, and I'm with you. Or I'll turn my focus to you, Jesus, when my 401k is fat enough. My kids are just more important to me right now, Jesus. Sorry. I can't go there or do that, Jesus. People will think I'm weird. Or maybe, well, Jesus, I'd love to do morning devotions regularly with you, but I have to sleep in because I stayed up way too late catching up on my Netflix series. Your okay but might be different than those, but we all have them. We all quickly can drift over into the realm of idolatry more often than we even realize with our lives centered not on the gospel of good news and loving service, but rather on striving to meet worldly goals and desires that are ever before us and around us. And so the problem is that what is cluttered up is not only our closets and our cabinets, it's our calendars and our minds and our hearts. And the hard truth is that saying yes to Jesus means saying no to some of those other things, even if they're really good things. Jesus challenges his people to look beyond all the trappings of life in this world and to consider what is the one thing that is worth all that we have and all that we are? What is the one thing? And if we're brave enough to name Jesus, the gospel, the kingdom of God, as our one thing, then we also must realize that there are limits to what else we can have and do and be. Not everything is possible. We can't meet the high expectations of Jesus while also meeting every cultural expectation and every expectation of our, our family members and our supervisors, supervisors and bosses, our political leaders, our friends, our financial advisors. At the same time, we've been called to live and serve in this world. We've been given good things to enjoy, resources to use, relationships to sustain us, we're called to steward those things. We're called to steward them, but to never let them become the center of our identity or mission or purpose. Following Jesus has shifted over the past 2,000 years. And if Jesus had a word for us today as we seek to live out our faith in 2022, I think he would say, yes, bury your dead. Tend to your relationships with the people who sustain you. A few creature comforts won't weigh you down too much if you don't get too attached. But set your eyes and your hearts on the kingdom of God and follow me. Because there's a balance there somewhere and I can't be certain what it looks like on any given day or for any particular person, but I know that it's always centered on Jesus. It's always focused on the kingdom of God. And if the things we're holding or hauling along with us on this journey of faith and life are distracting us or obstructing our view of Jesus, then it's definitely time to set it down or to give it away or, in Elisha's case, to burn it up. 
because there is a cost to discipleship. We can't do it all. We can't have it all. But the good news is that what is ultimately most important has already been done for us and given to us as a gift. Because Jesus did set his face to Jerusalem and he did accomplish his mission through death on a cross and a glorious resurrection. And this mission to save the world includes you and me and by grace we are free to respond in faithful love and service. As for me and my house, I am looking forward to the end of packing boxes. And maybe later this summer, I'll have a little bonfire of my own with a symbolic cardboard box turning to ash and smoke. That would feel good. And perhaps it could serve as a reminder that traveling lightly is always the way to go, both when it comes to earthly possessions and when it comes to spiritual focus and commitment to Jesus. May God inspire and empower us to live in such a way that we can faithfully and joyfully follow our Savior as we move together in mission into the future God has in store for us. May it be so. Amen.